welcome to Two Dudes Podcast, or should I say Ashton and Lacey's Podcast. And make sure you stay tuned and have an awesome day. Thank you. Dude, we have the weirdest setup. <laughs> so my original plan was to have Connor sit in a different room and record. By myself in a closet. Yeah, but then I was like, we can't make this dude talk about addiction just staring at the closet floor. So <laughs> Just the closet of shame. Yeah. So, so now we have a microphone. And so we're back in Arizona, so I'm not in the studio this week, but we... <laughs> I brought the little stand, and so we literally are sitting at the dining room table at my mom's house in Arizona. The microphone is between us, and we're both, like, just foreheads touching, talking yeah. into this mic. <laughs> okay, fuck, we're just starting, right? I would assume, okay, so if people didn't listen to last week, last week's episode was about relationships. We talked about our own relationship. We gave what we felt like was advice for anyone in a relationship or looking to be in one. But part of last week, we touched on me and Connor's relationship. And part of that was our breakup and breaking up because Connor was struggling with addiction and coming to terms with being an alcoholic. And so I told the story from my side and how it affected our relationship. But now we have Connor talking about just addiction in general and how it's played into his life and... Yeah, we can get through it. <laughs> We're just letting Connor out of the closet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Connor, this is Connor's coming out podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like I'm in like a 10 going into this. I feel good. I don't feel... But also, oh. I was a 10 the last podcast, and then within minutes, I was a 4, and then I was a 2, and then I was a 1. Like, I slowly, I just kept saying, I'm a 4. Okay, now I'm a 3. Now I'm a 2. My voice was just getting more shaky. Just but hit rock bottom yeah. at the end of it. I feel good right now, though. So how, how do you feel, Connor, on a scale of I 1 to 10? Good. I feel good, too. Probably like an 8 and a half, 9. Lacey? This, this wow. Arizona is great. It just gives me a yeah. dopamine and serotonin, and I love it. We are on a serotonin <laughs> high right now because yeah. we're in Arizona. Okay. I mean, I think I'm a solid seven. I mean, there's snow on the ground and yeah. I've been throwing up for three days. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like um, this is really the thing that's going to pull me up to that 10. Okay. So I think we start this wherever Connor wants to start it because it starts with, I think, when you started to know you had a problem mm -hmm. or it starts with when you and Ashton were together and that became a problem. I'll start with where it all started and kind of lead up to what happened between me and Ashton. I think that'll be the okay. best. Okay. Cool. Because it, it all started... I remember the day I was either, I was 13 or 14 years old and I I just remember I was at one of my friends house and I'd never drank alcohol before that and he his parents had gone and we got a bottle of Crown Royal and I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know how much to drink at the time and so I poured like a 16 ounce glass of it and I remember after <laughs> like the first or second drink I was like oh my god like all my problems are solved like I thought it was the best thing in the world like just the feeling I had in my body, I I think at that point in time, I was like, this isn't good because I knew it just felt so good. Like all my problems were gone. I didn't have anxiety. I didn't have to worry about anything. And so I think that was the very beginning of like my journey with alcohol. And it was super young. Yeah. And so that kind of brought me into the next 12 years of I, I wasn't drinking all the time when I was like 14 years old, but I got introduced to it and I knew I loved it. And so that kind of turned into, I think we can jump to where I moved to South Dakota. Like I knew Ashton for mm -hmm. two years before we started dating. And the, the only reason I moved to South Dakota in the first place was because of some of the problems I was having with alcohol and other drugs. I actually overdosed on heroin and... Boise. So that was pretty scary. That's kind of where my addiction led me was, you know. I Okay. So sorry, I don't want to interrupt you a whole bunch, but that is fascinating to me. So you had the heroin and the alcohol mm -hmm. and you were in Idaho, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then you, after that, you moved to South Dakota to kind of start over. Yeah. Is that 
Yeah, that's exactly okay. what happened. And how old were you then? I was 25, I think, 24, 25 when younger. I moved to South Dakota. Yeah, I would say 24. Okay. Yeah. And that, w- that was a good year for me. When I moved to South Dakota, I moved in with my best friend, Mackenzie. Like, he really helped me, like, get my head on straight. I wasn't surrounded by all the stuff that I was surrounded by in Idaho. And so the first year there mm-hmm. was really good. I didn't drink for the first couple months. And then um, the thing with alcoholism, though, is it's a progressive disease. And so you can't just pick up and not be where you left it off. Yeah. And so if I picked up drinking today, I would be right where I was like two years ago. I'd, I would start drinking every day. I would be blacking out all the time. It was really good for the first year in South Dakota. And that's when I met Ashton and we were friends. But then alcohol started slowly coming back into my life like more and more. And it finally got to a point where I was drinking every day. I was waking up every morning to go to the liquor store and grab a couple pints just so I could kind of function because when I woke up I was so hungover that I would either stay in bed all day or it was like I need to drink because that's the only way I feel better that's the only way I can get up and move and do things and so in between that that's when Ashton and I were dating and she had no idea how much I was drinking no one had any idea how much I was drinking I was really good at being really secretive about it or I thought I was being Mm -hmm. secretive I'm sure people could smell it and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but I just would lie to everyone. I wouldn't tell anybody like what I was doing behind closed doors. In the last episode, I had touched on that in my mind, it was like zero to a hundred. I didn't think anything was going on. And then the next day I found out he was in rehab and hindsight is twenty twenty. And when I looked back, there were so many red flags and I would go home and I would see him drunk at 3 PM. But there's two sides of that. And one is that When you're in a relationship with someone, whether that's it's your significant other, your child, your best friend, it's hard to see those things about them. Like you want to be naive. You want to think like it's fine. It's really hard to Mm -hmm. look and reflect on a relationship and think they are in a really unhealthy spot or he's an alcoholic or he's struggling. Like it's really easy to make excuses and you never want to assume the worst or like even – accept, I mm-hmm. guess, that they're an alcoholic. And so I think a lot of that is like, it was there. I was just refusing to see it. And then the second thing of that is I was a 21-year-old and I worked at a summer job and my friends were partying all the time. And it was really common for my friends to come home and drink after work or they were day drinking at the lake. And so I think the other reason that I didn't see it necessarily as red flags is that I have friends who drink every night. And I would never think they were an alcoholic, but the difference between being an alcoholic is you're drinking not to have fun. It's like you're drinking to escape or you can't start once you stop. But drawing that line is really hard. It was really hard for me to draw that line and to see that it actually was Mm -hmm. being an alcoholic. And I know even for you, Connor, like there was a long time where I think accepting that and calling yourself an alcoholic was a really big step because I think for for a long time you were like, I'm fine. Like I've just been struggling with my anxiety and depression. So I've been drinking, but like, I think the biggest change that happened in your life, and this is just like my opinion on it and like what I've seen, but like when you just accepted, like I am an alcoholic and you named it, it like helped you to one, understand it, but two, to like make the steps to make the changes. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the first time I went to an AA meeting and like 12 people got up and started talking about their sobriety and their alcoholism. And every time someone got up there to speak, I was just like, oh my God, like they're explaining my life perfectly. I was like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> I relate. <laughs> yeah, I was just they're like, my brothers. I was like, that's totally fucking me. I was like, every single one of them, I was like, that's totally how I think. That's totally how I am. How and you it was feel? just, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I was like, I am an alcoholic. And it's not like a bad thing for me. It's just the way it is. And it's just how I choose to deal with it now. So, okay. If we go back to when you, okay, you came from Idaho, Mm -hmm. things were better. And then when did it start to slide and, and why? I was dealing um, with, I went through some sexual trauma stuff when I was young. I was about seven and it it didn't really affect me when I was younger. I just didn't think about it. But Mm -hmm. around that time in my life, every time I drank, I would have like really vivid flashbacks and like really crazy feelings about it. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is actually like really affecting me now. And so that just, I turned to 
just kind of drowning that out more with alcohol. And so it didn't make anything better. And so I finally called up my sister and I was like, Kylie, like, I need to tell you something. And so I told her what happened and she was just like, holy shit, dude. Like, I had no idea. And I was just like, yeah, I haven't told anybody, but like, I just had, I just needed to get it out. Cause like, I, like, I felt like it was killing me. And so you hadn't, you hadn't addressed it. And so like, that's what, so it was like you had put it off for so long. And I yeah. feel like that was when you finally, like, whether you chose to or not, but it was like the first time you were addressing it. And then it was like telling other people. And that was a really hard time. No. Yeah. And it, this happens a lot with people that have been through things like that. Like a lot of them turn to drinking alcohol or drugs and some people even turn to suicide. And I was just like, I need to tell someone or like, I know it's going to be bad. <laughs> I'm like crying, but... <laughs> It was true. I Connor's just... the first one to drop to a four. <laughs> I he sounds like a two. Yeah. Oh, God, like... my heart. And so I just felt That's... like I need to tell someone, or I know like something bad is going to happen. I just I knew I was in a really low and dark spot, and so I was able to tell my sister, and things got a little better. Like that was the first time I ever told anybody, and it, you hear this from people all the time. It's like, yeah, I felt like a weight dropped off my chest, and I did feel that at first, but then. I hadn't dealt with it any more than telling anybody. And so it mm-hmm. just came straight back. And so that's kind of where I started going downhill even more in our relationship. And then I woke up in the back of a van that my parents had rented in the middle of Wyoming. And I was like, oh, my God, where am I? <laughs> and they're like, we're taking you to rehab. And I was like, makes sense. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Okay. So Ashton is back then, right? So what happens the... Like, how does it get to the point where your parents are there taking you to rehab? Um, I forgot about this part, but this is the reason my parents came. I got, like, blackout drunk and ended up... So, wait, one time. This was February. So, I had came home from school December. So, I had been home. We had been together, like, or all of January. So, this is, like, February 1st was when that whole thing happened. Yeah. And then I don't remember what happened, but my best friend Mackenzie found me outside of my car, passed out drunk at like three o'clock in the morning. And it was like negative 10, negative 15 degrees. And so he found me and he was just like, what the fuck? And then I remember waking up the next day on the couch and I woke up and I was like, oh, something bad happened. Like something really bad happened. And I stood up and looked outside and my parents were already there. And that's when I knew I was just like, oh, fuck, what happened? And then the first thing I did was like go to the liquor store and start drinking again because I was like, I can't handle this. Okay. And then your parents did what? Then my parents took me to, I went to Utah. I went to the University of Utah for detox. So I was in detox for 12 days. Um, And And did you feel like you were ready for that? At the, yeah, sort of. I was just like, well, I'm already here. Like I should just try and get sober and like see what I mm-hmm. can do. And so I felt great after the 12 days. Like they, I was just eating food again. I was finally drinking. I was actually sleeping. And then, so I, I felt <sighs> really good. And then after I got out of that, um, my parents were like, okay, we think you should go to an inpatient rehab somewhere. And I agreed because I knew, I knew I needed it. And so I was in inpatient rehab down in Utah for 60 days. And I remember I felt great. Like, I was doing really well. Like, all the counselors really liked me. Like, I, it was a good experience to get sober that way. And mm-hmm. um, I remember they asked, they're like, name three things that you don't want to lose because of your addiction right before I left, like, when I was graduating. And I was like, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my girlfriend. And I don't want to die. And so after I left rehab, I was like, I'm going to be sober. Like, this is I f- it's super easy. Like, I just don't drink and things are good. And then, Mm -hmm. so we got back to rapid and it was a good like 30 days. Like everything was okay. Going to rehab was easy because you don't really have any, like there's no alcohol around. Like you can't leave the building. Like it's super easy to just not get drunk. But once you leave rehab, like doesn't keep you sober. You need to put a lot of work into Mm -hmm. being sober after you get out of rehab. And I just didn't do that. And so the first drink I picked up I instantly was right back where I was I started instantly drinking just every day and so it just got just as bad as it was the three months previous to that so do you feel like like all I can remember from around that time is like the graduation party mm-hmm. and like some people knowing what was going on yeah 
or I, I don't know. I knew what was going on. And I think Dana Ashton's mom knew, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know about like the, the whole family. And so do you think that that was like part of it too? Like being in this weird influx place where you can't be like, oh no, I don't drink. Cause you know, I just came back from rehab Yeah, or like. Yeah. Cause no one really knew at that point. And so I was like, I'm at a graduation party like all these college kids, like everybody's drinking. And then, yeah. so it was just like, I didn't really have any defense towards it. I just, just started again. For sure. So one thing I want to know, and um, I feel like this is because I saw the difference of the first time you went to rehab and then the second. And also like, I didn't do all the right things. And part of this journey has been me like understanding it. And I think when Connor, like when you came back from rehab the first time, we just didn't really talk about it. Like we talked about it, but it was more like you went to rehab and like you're fixed and you're solved. And in my mindset, again, like I had never been around an alcoholic and I didn't know how to help you. And in my mind, I was like, he went to rehab and he got sober and like he learned how to be healthy for the Mm -hmm. whole rest of his life. And the part that I didn't take away from that was that it was this everyday thing. And so I also remember being back and it was like we almost acted like it didn't happen. Like we were dating and we didn't yep. really talk about like what mm-hmm. did you learn in rehab? Like how can I help you? Like do we need to be going to meetings? Do you? And the other side of that mm-hmm. was I remember you telling me I want to have a drink. It was like I think Sid's graduation and you ordered a drink we went out to eat with my grandparents and you ordered a drink. And I remember looking at you like, what? But also my grandparents had no idea where you had been. And so it's like, there isn't this accountability there. Like, had they known you were in rehab, you probably wouldn't have ordered a drink at dinner with them. Yeah, probably not. But it's like, because there no one knew, there wasn't that accountability layer. But then also, in my mind, like, you told me, I just am going to have a few drinks and like, it's fine. I learned how to drink healthily. And that was the narrative when you came home from rehab that first time. Mm-hmm. And so, and I believed it and I was like, oh yeah. Well, I, like, I believed it too. I was just like, yeah. it's not going to get as bad For, as it was. Yes. You know? And so that, mm-hmm. that I think was like the biggest thing was that first time when you came home from rehab, like you thought, okay, I had a problem with alcohol, but I can drink and be a healthy drinker. Like I can drink socially. Drink I like can't. a gentleman. Yeah. yeah. And that was, the, <laughs> that was the downfall of like, you just can't drink. And like you said, once you drink, you're right back at square one. But I feel like you were telling yourself that you were telling me that I was believing it. Yeah. Like there was I wanted just, to believe it because like drinking was my solution to everything. Like it was like I lost the best friend and I couldn't get it back. And so I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so that I think was the biggest thing. And I remember, and then we'll have to go into like coming back from rehab the second time and how that was different. Yeah. But one thing I'd noticed was like, I don't think you ever said like, I'm an alcoholic. The the narrative was I struggled with alcohol and I fixed it, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to socially drink and it will be fine now. Mm-hmm. And that didn't lead anywhere good. Yeah. It doesn't for anybody. No. Yeah. No. No. And I think there's something um, really important there in in maintenance that I want to yeah, like ask you about. But we can we can get through the rest of the the whole narrative. So now you're first. back in South Dakota. You were sober for a month, and then and you, you started drinking, yep. and yeah. that's when it. And that led straight into, like, that's when I just like started drinking at the house, started sneaking drinks, like I could not stop again. And that's when Ashton came over one day, and I was already drunk, and she was just like, "I can't handle this," and I was like, "Yeah, I." don't want to hurt you either so I she broke up with me and I was like I totally understand why you are like I totally get it and so I just kind of went off the deep end and I moved back to Boise and I thought I was such an idiot and I just I kept drinking and then I ended up getting my second DUI and that's when it was like oh shit's real because when in South Dakota when you get a DUI they don't really do anything they don't even take away your license but Mm -hmm. when I went back to Idaho got my second one they took away my license for instantly for a year. I had to spend a couple of weeks in jail. And then that's when I my parents are like, dude, I showed up. I was staying at my parents' house. 
And I, I think I ended up sleeping in a park for a couple days. And I showed up back at my parents' house and my shirt was ripped in half. I had blood all over me and I was blacked out with like a 30 rack of beer. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? And I was just like, I don't fucking know. And then Mm -hmm. it was just like, I have to go back to rehab because it just gone that bad again. Like where I would wake up and things would just be so bad that I was like, I need to start drinking to like feel okay again. And so they, they just get really bad really fast for me. And so I ended up going to a second rehab. Was this second rehab, did you choose to go or did your parents tell you to go or how did that happen? Funny story. My parents, <laughs> they said they were going to buy me some champagne. I was, I was so crazy. They were like, we'll get you some champagne. Come with us in the car. And I was like, okay, perfect. And I ended up, I was drinking the bottle of champagne in a parking lot and someone walked out. I didn't even know where there really and he was like is are you connor and i was like uh yeah and he was like you're coming with me and i looked at my parents and i was like what the fuck is going on (laughs) and so i go inside with this guy and then i was like okay i'm probably at just like a detox again like okay i can do this but the guy was like this is a 30-day program and i instantly looked at my parents and i was like what the fuck like you guys bought me champagne and you tricked me into going to rehab again (laughs) and so um it I needed it though. Like I a hundred percent needed it. Like I'm so grateful for my parents. Like they supported me through everything. Like I, I would not be here without them. And so no, yeah, I'm really happy that they took me there. And then once I sobered up and was there, I was just like, okay, like my life is either going to be going to rehab every like couple of months and like having to do this over again, or I'm going to end up dead somewhere or I'm going to end up in jail. And so mm-hmm. I was finally like, dude, fucking figure out how to be sober i was just like i I have to because either my my life's gonna be shit if i don't you know and so i Mm -hmm. ended up spending a couple weeks in jail i went through the 30-day program and then i ended up going to another program afterwards so i was in rehab classes for about a year and then i started i got a sponsor i went to AA. like i did everything i possibly could to try to figure out how to be sober and slowly i started figuring out like I had to get sober to figure out why I was drinking. And so I was able to, I had to go to a counselor. Like I had to, I had a therapist, like I had a lot of stuff going on. And so I was finally able to slow my life down enough to figure out why I was drinking and figure out, you know, what my next step in life was going to be. And I'm really grateful that my parents tricked me into going to rehab a second time because (laughs) it it saved my life. It really did. One of the things that I feel like was so beneficial about the second time you went to rehab, one, you obviously had just admitted, like, I'm an alcoholic. My life is in shambles. Like, it's now or never. Like, I have to make this decision. And so even though your parents tricked you into doing it, like, internally, you wanted to be there and you wanted to fix your life. But the other thing that was so good about that was it was a very lengthy program. And I know sometimes it was, like, frustrating for you that you're like, I'm still dealing with this, you know. But, like, you were doing classes for like you said a year and so it's not Mm -hmm. just like this okay 30 days where i like escape reality and it's easy to be sober in this facility and then they put you out into the real world it's like you went to rehab and you were sober for those 30 days but then you were also like living outside of the rehab facility but also like taking classes and Mm -hmm. learning and i feel like that was so huge and like i was taking like two drug tests a week too for the course so i I had oh yeah i was like pretty locked down and that like really helped me because I needed that accountability to take some time to figure out like what the fuck was going on in my brain. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I thought that was a really good program. And I also think your attitude changed towards it. Yeah. Well, you've got to think too. I mean, you left your first rehab and was like, I don't want to lose this or this or this. And then you were at the point where you had lost like, you know, part of that. And so it had to be at a point where you really were like, fuck, I'm going to die or fucking fix it Mm -hmm. because that was all that was left. Mm -hmm. For sure. And were you living then at your parents then while you were still going through all the rest of that? Yeah, I had to. I, all my money was gone. Like I was just like in such a bad spot. That's why if I didn't have my parents, like I would have been fucking homeless somewhere. Like probably Ugh. doing something even worse. So the other thing and- that um, I feel like was really good for you and 
Idaho. Um, and I think this is some like where we can go next of like how you hold yourself accountable and how you stay sober and things we've done. But when you were living in Idaho, you were living at your parents' house. You, um, had an online marketing job, but something Mm -hmm. that I, and you also had those classes to go to, but, um, so Connor owns a business or he's co-owns a business called Vivid Roots with three of his best friends, but they had an office downtown Boise. And I feel like getting up and going to the office, like you would get up and go to the office, like almost every morning. And I feel like just having routine and structure in your life really helped. And that was something like when I had just came home from college, I had no structure. Like I did nothing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And me and you were both just kind of doing nothing and like figuring our lives out. It's like we said, like you were not benefiting each other. Like I wasn't helping you. Like you weren't helping me. There just wasn't what needed to be. Like we had to fix ourselves. But that was something. And I think then we can lead into like, how do you say like stay sober now and things that have helped. But that was one really big thing. Um, in Boise, I just feel like you had so much structure in your life, whether that was waking up and going to the office or going to take photos with friends or Mm -hmm. taking your alcohol classes. You really started to have structure in your life, which for anyone going through anything, structure has always been really helpful, yeah. at least for me in my life. Yeah, no, it totally helped me too. And I think um, my mindset changed too after that second time because um, in rehab, what what I learned is if you put anything before um, your sobriety in your life, like you're willing to lose it. So if I put you before my sobriety, if I put my job, if I put anything else before that, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to lose it. And so I finally was just like, I'm not willing to lose those things anymore. And so I had to put sobriety like the, as like the number one thing in my life. Cause that's the only way that I can you do can it. Keep those other things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a big realization. You had all this structure in Boise and then you decided to move. Mm-hmm. So were you scared at that point that moving and leave, leaving like all this that you had built up or or you felt like no, I, you were good I to go? No, I was finally to the point where I was like, I feel really good. I'm really happy. Like I've learned a lot of different ways that I can sit down and figure out where I am right now and what I need to do next. And so moving actually helped me a lot because I was – able to like get out of my family's house, which was super nice. I love them, but it was stressful for me yeah, to be there. For sure. And so moving in with Ashton in Colorado and having a different place was really good. But I, I still I still go to AA meetings. I still meditate. I still work out all the time. I like check in with myself every day. I, I think about it every day. I have to like sit down every morning and be like, this is who I'm going to be today. And these are the decisions I'm going to make. And if I'm feeling anti, like I want to drink or do something crazy, like I need to tell someone. And so I talk about it now. That, that, that was a huge change too. Like I used to not talk about any of that stuff with anybody. And now I'm more of like an open book because I have to be, because if not, like I'm just storing that stuff away and something mm-hmm. bad's going to happen if I don't. Yeah. I mean, living in Colorado too, you guys are a little bit more detached from like the party scene. Yes. I I was trying to figure out how to, how to like say that, but, but it is because it's hard to be, you know, in your twenties or, you know, whatever. And, and everyone's drinking everywhere you go and it's hard not to. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah, it really is. Like, I still struggle with that because I, I still have to go to like bachelor parties and weddings and be mm-hmm. around parties now. But I'm in a lot better space than I was a couple years ago because now I don't have to drink. I can be happy not drinking. But it took two years of, you know, going through the shit and suffering through that to finally come out on the other end and be like, I'm okay not having a drink. Mm-hmm. One of the other things sure. that, like, what me and Connor have talked about recently is, um, and kind of why it's like, why we feel like talking about it is just so much easier is okay. So Connor just recently went to a bachelor party with all of his best guy friends and it was in Deadwood, South Dakota. Like obviously it's like a hard position to be in anyways, like people are gambling and everyone was drinking, but we talked beforehand, like it was all his closest friends and they all knew. And so it's like, no one there is 
offering you a drink or they can check up on mm-hmm. you and be like, Hey, are you doing okay? Like, I know you don't drink. Like, do you want to go do this with me? Or like, how are you feeling? Like, are you struggling with your alcohol addiction right now? Like having people that know and can check in is so important versus like, you know, your example, when we went to Sydney's college graduation and when no one knows and like how much harder it is. Cause it's like when people's around you, they know the situation they know it's like they can help you be accountable and in anything in life, like having people to support or like support you and lean on them is always like a really great thing. And so having the people there who know, but then the other side of it is like when me and Connor have been in Colorado, I notice a lot of times um, it's, it's just happened so much recently and I don't know why, but we'll go and we'll meet with a photographer or we've been going to workshops and people will be like, you should or come get a drink with us afterwards. Or like we did a workshop and they had a mimosa and they had like drinks, whatever. And me and Connor were modeling for this thing. And they were like, come on, Connor, just like have a drink with us. And yeah. we both looked at each other and we're like, no, that's okay. And they were like, no, come on. Like you'll be more relaxed for photos. And we've done ones where photographers have brought like champagne as a prop. And they're like, here, you too. And it's this weird, like we look at each other and I'm like, what do we say? And it's so awkward. But then it's like, we've just had so many conversations lately where it shouldn't be a thing. Like we shouldn't have to explain why, like, or justify your decision. Like you should be able to say like, no, I don't drink or like, I'm actually sober or, and you can answer it that way. Mm -hmm. Or you should be able to answer it like, no, I'm actually an alcoholic and I don't drink anymore. And (laughs) so I punched all my drinking tickets. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I have a really good champagne story. (laughs) (laughs) But like, that's just a conversation we've had only because for some reason it's just came up so much in our lives. Like I've just noticed so much lately. People will be like, do you want to come grab a drink with us? And we're like, bye. We panic, but it's like we shouldn't have to panic, and it should be like, no, I don't drink anymore, or you know, I don't, and it shouldn't need any more explanation. But it's also when you've hit it for so long, and like we said, there was shame there, and not talking about it for so long to talking about it is definitely difficult. But it also like it has to feel so freeing, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I I feel a lot lighter. Because I don't have to say yes, and I don't have to hide things anymore, and I don't have to hide what happened to me, or, you know, mm-hmm. everything. I just feel a lot better now. But a huge thing with that, too, is, Lacey, you were talking about maintenance, and if I don't have maintenance skills, and if I don't maintain it, then I could end up back where I was a couple years mm-hmm. ago. So mm-hmm. I think that's a huge point to make, is that it is an everyday thing for people who deal with addiction and alcoholism and drugs like that. And you just kind of have to make it your lifestyle because if you don't, we all know what can happen, you know? Mm -hmm. A couple things. So the first thing is, I think that it is fucking impossible to go anywhere socially and have someone offer you a drink and you say no and them not be like, oh, come on, just have one. And I don't know. I don't know. I think I used to do it to people too because it just made me feel better because I wanted to drink. So if I wanted to drink, I wanted to make sure everyone else was drinking. But like since, I mean, I have my own relationship with alcohol that I have to like sort out. But at the same time, it's like, I also have gotten so much more respectful of other fucking people. Like if if they don't want to drink, it's like just okay. Like it should be okay. And it just, we've gotten to the point where alcohol is so everywhere that it's more normal for you to want to get wasted than it is for you to want to be sober. And that is a weird fucking place to be. And I didn't even really realize it until like this whole situation with Connor happened because it's not even that people like offer a drink like hey do you want a drink it's like the persistence of it like I remember me Mm -hmm. and Connor shot a wedding together okay so that's the other thing so just being in Colorado people offer it but weddings as a wedding videographer (laughs) and Connor comes to weddings with me the amount of like bridal party like their bridal party gets hammered and then they're like, take this shot with me and like I noticed there was one wedding me and Connor shot together and the mom of the bride who was so kind and you know they're doing it to like be nice but I've realized like how negative it can be because she came up to me and Connor and was like can I get you guys a drink and we were like no it's fine and she was like no I swear to god like tell me I'll go get it right now she's like do you want a shot of tequila do you want a beer like tell me and I'll get it it 
like, mind you, it was 11 a.m. on, like, a day we were working. <laughs> and we kept saying, no, and this girl, this mother. She came back probably, like, six times. Oh, my God. And she was walking across the, like, because we were there, you know, before anyone. She's walking across the reception hall yelling, are you sure? I'll grab you one. And it was like, <laughs> but it's insane how persistent people can be. And it's one thing to be like, hey, do you want to have a drink? Like, no. Okay, that's fine. But it's like, you say no. And they're like, no, but you should. Like, please, here, I'll buy it for you. Like, yeah. So, and then for yeah, you, like, when you struggle. Have different relationships with it, you know, they just don't know. Mm-hmm. We should all just be more mindful when we offer people drinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so hard to, like, I don't know how many people have asked if I want a drink and I just say no. And then they're like, you're no fun. You suck. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I can't drink because I feel like I suck. And then it goes overboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, that's the problem. I don't need you fucking telling me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's. It's tough. And I do feel like personally, and I don't know because it's all in what you see, but I feel like in the last um, year or so, just I see more people talking about sobriety and like normalizing sobriety because I almost feel like it is not like it is weird if you don't have a glass of wine at night or a beer. It is weird if you like go fucking anywhere and aren't just having a beer. And it's like, I feel like there are more people that are getting sober or like realizing, I don't know, Connor, do you feel like, I mean, obviously, because you're like, in a ripped shirt sleeping on a bench so you have to yeah. feel better sober <laughs> but like but like yeah i was pretty extreme. when i <laughs> like do, doesn't just your body feel oh my god Ev- everything in my life is better like my brain feels better my relationships are better it's just everything has gone better one of my favorite things i feel like this happens at least twice a week but connor will wake up and he'll turn to me and he'll be like God, it feels so good not to be hungover. Like the <laughs> amount of times you tell me it feels good not to be hungover. Is yes. So, yeah, it, yes. it still hits me. Yeah. I think I it's like a weird thing, but I um like I quit drinking for just for a year and then I didn't know what to do with it after that. Mm-hmm. But when I quit, it was like the first couple weeks after, it was like my body just felt better. Like oh, yeah. I just felt better and I didn't know why and we went to dinner with these people and she was like do you just feel better and I was like yes it's like a magical feeling like I wake up and like I'm not worried that I'm gonna be puking in the bathroom hungover when my kids are like downstairs watching tv on a Saturday morning and I like didn't drink a lot but when I did it was not good and it was I would just go and let all this shit build up. And then when it was like, hey, let's go out, we would go out and I would be like two drinks in and blackout yeah. every time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know a time that I have drank and not blacked out in a really long time. Yeah. So. And it wasn't, it was also with anxiety and depression, like those got 10 times better like they're almost gone now honestly but like when i was drinking those were fucking killers those are brutal yeah yeah it's a fucking spiral you're drinking to like take the anxiety and depression away but just making it worse well it's like the hangover has made your anxiety worse or like i noticed nights like if i drink the next morning like I think hangover anxiety is so real and like you get anxious because you feel bad and you get anxious like, did I do something stupid last night? Did I say something stupid? Like it's really not a good spot for your anxiety, but it is. It's such a weird (laughs) thing because it's this spiral of I want to drink to take it away and it goes away for a a bit while you're blacked out, but then it's just 10 times worse the next day. Yeah. And it's so hard to get out of. And it's like, what the fuck happened? And what did I do? Who did I say it to? And then also I just shame for like three days mm-hmm. of shame. And of course, drinking again would make that go away too. So, I mean, I like it's obviously a spiral mm-hmm. and it's fucking hard to get out of it. The other, like, one of the things I noticed when you were sober is people would come up, like, I remember my mom or even your mom saying it, like, you looked better. Like, your skin 
looked better. I could tell you felt better. Your eyes were more white. Your mental health was better, but it's such like, it's just crazy. Like how big of a toll drinking can take on you because like, I remember your family and me and my family just saying like, we could notice physically just by looking at you, like how different it was when you were sober versus when you had been drinking. Well, there's some really interesting research into the impacts of alcohol, you know, as far as like cancer and all of that. And while it's not like cigarettes, it's still fucking terrible for you. And we've just accepted that it's like, all right, but it, it impacts like, I don't know, your entire brain. And we've accepted, you know, it's like, how how much of this will we accept? And I mean, I obviously have, <laughs> I have interesting feelings on all kinds of drugs. But <laughs> at, <laughs> like, I feel like we have made alcohol the one that's okay. And it's like, it's fucking not. Yeah. I mean. But I think alcohol is this really slippery slope of, especially when you think of how common like how we were saying I've watched friends of mine drink five nights a week for the last four years and it's like yeah well I'm just a college student and it's just what you do and but it's also Mm -hmm. like how dangerous it is to normalize drinking five six nights a week drinking during the day because that's when it starts to be this slippery slope where you can't get out of it well I mean I only quit drinking because I couldn't tell my kids that they shouldn't drink if every time I had fun, I had to be fucking wasted. Mm-hmm. Like I'm at a point where like we're pretty healthy and I don't even really want to drink because I know how shitty it makes me feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing that just keeps me Sober. going. Yeah. But it, there had to be like this switch that was like, it's better without it instead of like, I'm missing out. Yeah. And it took a long time just for me to make that on my own realization. And I am in no way comparing what I go through to what you go through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that used to fucking it, kill me too. I used to think like, how am I not going to drink for the rest of my life? It used to make me go crazy. Because I was just like, there's yeah. just no goddamn way. I was like, I was just so yeah. used to being in that mindset. And I finally was just like, I just have to focus on like this next 24 hours. And like, if I can not drink for that, then I'm good. Yeah. And once I got past that 24 hours, like it was just. Yeah. It just had to, you know, you just get to a point where it's like, oh, well, my life is better without it. So I don't need it to go to fucking wherever. Yeah, I think I don't that's know. a really important head switch of like, instead of thinking, oh, I'm missing out on all this fun and I can't drink. And it's thinking of like, I have so much more fun because I'm sober and I'm not hungover and I'm not wasting days and I don't feel like shit when I wake up. Like, I think so many times me and Connor, like me and you do stuff and we'll be on trips or we go like wake up early and we take photos and we do all of these things that we like to do. And we always look at each other and we're like, isn't it so fun? We're sober. Like we're not hungover. Yeah. We're not. We're not like those weirdo yeah. people. Like we're sober for a reason, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Also, though, so something um, like, okay, me drinking. So I, I've i also just never been a good drinker. Like, I drank a lot in high school, but I threw up, like, anytime I drink. <laughs> like, I've never been someone who could drink alcohol and, like, function well. Like, I could be, like, I'll throw up before I get drunk. Like, I've just never been a good drinker. But it's like, I drank a lot in high school. And then I went to college and I just had such bad social anxiety. I feel like I just never drank. Like I've never loved the party scene. I've never loved going to bars. I've never liked going to house parties. And that's more so because of like being anxious around a lot of people than it is about drinking. But I just don't drink a lot in general. Like I think in the last year I've probably drank three, five times. It's hasn't been a lot. But one thing that I told Connor is that like when we moved in together, I was like, I'm just going to be sober and I'm going to stay sober with you. And I did for a really long time. But then it's like something I've told Connor is I can still go and hang out with my friends and like have a glass of wine and be fine. And I guess the conversation, and I've tried to explain this to you. I feel like I'm not explaining this well, but I noticed that it could be de- like detrimental for me to say like I'm sober, like you're sober and I'm sober because then it's like the very, very, very rare times that I do like 
drink with my friends when I'm back in rapid or I have a glass of wine with my mom. Then it's like, I didn't want Connor to ever think like I say, oh, I'm sober. And then I have a glass of wine. And then he's like, well, Mm -hmm. then I can too. Because something I explained to Connor and like we've talked about before is like, I don't struggle with alcohol like he does. And, and you can like vouch for this. Like Connor's always said, like, I don't want you to like, I'm not going to control you or. I was like, I don't want you to be sober just because I am like you can do whatever you want because you have a different relationship with it than I do yeah and like so you're able mm-hmm. to you know there has been times where when I'm with my friends in rapid like I had a wine night with twins one night or I've drank with my mom I just wanted to clarify that like I I used to say with Connor when I moved in like I'm sober like I'm just gonna be sober with you but it's different when I go with my friends and have a drink of wine than if you were to say, I'm sober, and then you go have a drink. Like, that looks very different. And so just defining that, and I feel like, again, it's all conversations and communication. I don't know. I don't know if any of that made sense. I just didn't want <laughs> to say, like, I'm sober, or we're all talking about, like, whatever, and then I post once that I drink wine, and people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> then you just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Connor, like, when are the hardest times, and when does it get to the point that you feel like you are going to drink? And then what do you do when you're at that point? Um, I think the hardest times for me are when I'm by myself and I have like the addiction part. Like I, I, I'm still an addict, like I'm still an addiction and it's always in my brain. Like there's that part of me that's like, dude, you can have that one drink and it'll be okay. <sighs> you know, mm-hmm. or you can like, mm-hmm. you can have that drink and hide it. And no one will ever know. Like that's okay. But then, so when I'm by myself, I'm I'm always like kind of battling that. I'm like, no, it's not okay to have one drink because <laughs> you know exactly what happens when you do. But there's still that part of my brain that's like, no, dude, you can drink like a gentleman again. It's okay, <laughs> you know. And so when that kind of stuff happens, it's the easiest thing for me is just to reach out to someone, whether that be my sponsor or Ashton or someone in my family, or just get connected with someone because that I think that's what addiction is. It, It's like you're lacking human connection. That's what addiction comes out to be. You need connection in your life to be happy, be sober. Mm -hmm. Because if I didn't, if I wasn't connected to anybody, that's why it gets so hard when I'm by myself. Is like I have that part of me that is always going to be there telling me that it's okay, but it's really not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you for sure are not a gentleman drinker. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, I could be a gentleman drinker again. I was like, when were you a gentleman drinker? Yeah, never. I think we discussed that was not ever part of that <laughs> part of the history. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, is there anything else you feel like you have to say? Um, I didn't think I was like, going to cry, but it, I incidentally <laughs> just like I was like I'm not like I'm not like an eight. I still feel like I'm at an eight, but like when that stuff comes up, it's just like fuck. Yeah, you're, I mean, one like granted that was if you're ever going to cry, like that was a very valid reason to cry, but. You sounded way better than I. Like, at least when you cried, you, like, your voice was <laughs> hot and you, like, you're like, oh, and people could tell you are crying, but, like, you regained. My issue is that, like, <laughs> I, I try to put off crying for so long. So then it's, like, there's at least 15 minutes of, like, my voice is obviously shaking. It's about to crack. And then I slowly cry, and it's, like, 15 minutes before I'm, like, okay, now I'm an eight again. Yeah. You, you like really bounce back. I'm not very good at bouncing back. But I also it feel like I'm, I'm at a 10. I came in a 10. I'm leaving a 10. What about you, Connor? Yeah, I feel great. Thanks yeah. for having me on. I'm just happy that people know because the other thing is the amount of times we've been. Okay, so we talked a lot about how we hit it and it was this burden to carry and there was shame. But we also got to the point where me and Connor would go and hang out with people and he'd be like, yeah, I've well when I was in rehab or like when I went to jail, like, he would throw it around, and I'm like, dude, people don't have any context. Like I remember one time we were like at working with some photographer, and Connor's like, yeah, well when I went to jail for two weeks, and I'm like, dude, you've got to fucking explain. Like they don't, for all they know, like who knows why they think you were in jail? But it's like it's, uh, it went from not telling literally anyone, and there was all this shit, and there was lots of weight to carry, and then I think we like came to terms. Um, just personally, and you came to terms, and then it got to a point where you were just like, fuck, I'm not hiding this anymore, and then we would go up to random people, and Connor would be like, yeah, well, I'm an addict, so, or like, when I went to rehab, and he would say it so nonchalant, so at least now people, like, know your story, and you can say it to anyone you ever want to, yeah. and you never have to hide anything. <laughs> not that you had to before. 
I mean, for as little as my input is worth, it feels better to me too, because like, I didn't want to ask questions and there were things I did want to know. And I worry about Ashton and I worry about you too, Connor, like how you are and what the fuck is happening. And I mean, it's really easy to hide it and then to not talk about it and to let it all go and like... I think it's just so much easier to be honest and open. I mean, not easier because it's fucking all hard, but it's just better for all of our relationships to be like, you know, so everyone knows and I can be like, Hey, you're sober. Right. (laughs) Like, because before, like I would never want to say that to you and I don't want to overstep or, you know, Oh, even (sighs) off what you said, Lacey, I, I remember when, Connor had just came back from rehab or not even that, like up until a few months ago, I remember my mom also being like, I don't know how to help or like what to say, or like, should we not have any alcohol in our house? Cause like my mom drinks wine. Like my mom's a very social drinker. Sydney drinks. It's like, she didn't really know how to go about it. And I feel like Mm -hmm. it just was never talked about. No one in our family talked about it really. And then I noticed Connor would start to say things like he would talk about being sober or he would tell my mom stories about rehab and it's like we all laughed it was always like like you know coming from connor it was like not a serious comment mm-hmm. by any means but or it, she'll she'll ask like does anybody want drinks i'm like yeah i do yeah and but she'll it's, just like laugh <laughs> no but it's like once we just broke the ice and like we started talking about it like all around it's been easier i think for my mom to be able to communicate and for you to be able to communicate. And now like we stay at my mom's house in rapid and she'll, she, her and Connor always joke. She's like, I'm making Connor a mixed drink. And they mix like kombucha and lemonade and Sprite. <laughs> and like They do it together and like Connor will, but it's like two months ago, three, four months ago, like we weren't having those conversations. It was like in a closet and it never existed. And I just noticed like, I feel so much better about it. And I feel like you feel so much better about it. And I know my family does. And like just being able to talk about it, it it just makes it, again, it's not easy. It's not easy to talk about and it's not easy to share. But it's just been easier for other people to feel like yeah. they can help you yeah. when because, it's, we yeah, can talk about it. Yeah, when you're dealing with someone that deals with alcoholism, it doesn't just affect just them. It affects everyone around them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's part of who you are. Like, all of this is part of your story. Mm -hmm. And pretending like there are, like, five years of your fucking life that we're just going to pretend, like, didn't happen. Yeah, Yeah, it's, like, a pretty big omission. Like, We're all leaving at... Are you... Now what are you? You started at a seven. Yeah, you feel better? Oh, yeah. I was nervous as fuck. (laughs) Yeah. I was nervous too last night. I was just thinking about how am I going to introduce myself. Yeah, dude, Lacey. <laughs> we were literally laying on the couch last night. I was peeing my pants. Like, I was done. I don't even know the last time I laughed so hard. But Connor was like sitting there and I watched him like kind of stare. Like, he wasn't like, he was just kind of staring for a really long time. And so finally I was like, hey, like, what are you doing? And he's like, I've just spent like the last 30 minutes thinking about the podcast. And I was like, oh, okay, like, what have you been thinking about? Like, what do you want to talk about? And he's like, I was just thinking, you know, I was going to answer and I'd be like, hey guys, what's up? Thanks for letting me hang out with you. And I was like, (laughs) he spent 30 minutes planning an intro. And I'm like, we don't even do intros. Like they don't exist on this podcast, but it was so pure. Like he literally, and then he goes, or I was thinking, I was going to say, hi, my name's Connor. I'm an alcoholic. And I was like, dude, however you want to start, like I fucking support, like you do, you dude. Yeah. We were dying. (laughs) Okay. I'm just happy we're all ending good. I thought it was, it was all good. Yeah. Me too. Right on.